Ah, good evening, uh, or good morning, or, well, to be fair, whatever time of the day it is that you're actually listening to this. Um, my name's David Davis, obviously, uh, alongside Boo Demont, I'm a co-host of the Milking It podcast, and this is episode seven. It's a little bit later coming up because I've had some serious technical issues uh, with what is turning out to be a cursed segment for the Milking It podcast. Uh, we sat down, we chit-chatted last week, and unfortunately Boo's internet died on us. This week, we tried to continue that same uh, discussion, which was about Saturday morning TV programs, and the audio is is at best choppy so i'm going to see what we can do if i can salvage it then there'll be some stuff at the end if not this is just going to be a good solid hour of geek news and chit chat and a few random bits and pieces thrown in from jay hodgkins so thank you again for listening and uh, i hope you enjoy this week's milking it podcast i've got the Welcome to the Milking It podcast, the podcast that tugs the teat of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. I'm David Davis. And as always, I am Boo Lamont. And welcome to episode seven. Of course, seven, that magical number. Seven wonders of the world, of course. Let's not forget that. Houston Dora and Nana Cherry said we were seven seconds away. The seventh seal was that weird film where death and that guy played chess on the beach, which Bill and Ted, of course, did much better. Craig David was obsessed with seven days. And of course, the film Seven. And unlike Brad Pitt, I'd love to see Paltrow's head in a fucking box. This is the Milking It podcast. It's going to be a magnificent episode seven. So uh, there's been quite a lot of stuff happening this week in terms of geek news. So I think this could be a bit of an extended edition, Boo. There is a lot of geek news to get through this week, Dave. I myself have been trawling the internet and various news outlets for all the latest in geek culture. So um, it's going to be a big one this week. Absolutely. So uh, the first thing uh, I wanted to kind of uh, have a bit of a chit chat about was uh, one of the things that I'd seen uh, on our very own Milking It Facebook page. Uh, thank you to all the guys uh, the, the, and girls who have followed us on the uh, Milking It uh, Facebook page. That's forward slash Milking It. Um, it was the reveals from Mattel uh, from the uh, New York Comic Con, which obviously happened a few days ago. I don't know whether you've got a chance to see these, uh, but they've, they've started uh, concentrating on a classic movie line. Yes, no, totally. Um, mm. I, I managed to get a, a hold of this article um, on IGN, always good for, um, for geek news. And... Um, I just knew the minute I saw the original Batman and Batman Returns action figures that your wallet was going to be slightly lighter. Absolutely. I'm sorry. They're, they're so good. Um, uh, if um, if you haven't had a chance to see it, then obviously check out the Facebook page. There's a, a link on there. But um, they've done some absolutely brilliant uh, uh, Michael Keaton uh, Batman figures from the first Batman film that uh, obviously Tim Burton did. But... Other than the fact that they can move their head, which obviously he couldn't in those yeah, films, which is of the neck gimmick, quite the, obvious, and to the point where they make a big deal of it in the second of Nolan's films, that they've suddenly realised how you can actually do it by making it more like a motorcycle helmet and this, that, and the other. Obviously, never a problem in the comic books. They could always do it because they're comic books. Yeah, they're comics. But, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, but in real life, it was all, always an issue. But... Um, the only thing that surprised me with that is that there is no Nicholson figure, which I'm assuming means that he hasn't given the rights to 
uh, using but his image. Say, there's so much Jack Nicholson Joker merchandise out there that mm-hmm. I'm surprised that, again, maybe it's something they're holding back for a future line to see if it's a success. Um, but, like, there is a lot. I mean, there's licensed statues. There's actually, there, there are existing action figures um, of the Jack Nicholson Joker. Yeah, very true. Yeah, true. I, I, it just surprised me that in terms of a launch lineup, you wouldn't put them because they have done the two main villains from Batman Returns in Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, just without a doubt, the greatest Catwoman they've ever had. Um, absolutely amazing likeness of the Danny DeVito penguin. Yeah, but Dave, you're missing out the other vital villain from that movie, Max Shrek. Max Shrek, who's never existed outside of Batman Returns, and they've never, as far as I know, they've never ever used him in the comic book since. He was <laughs> he was that good a character. Or like Christopher Walken, amazing in it, played Christopher Walken with a big old massive Dufon <laughs> who looked a lot like one of the characters from the Masters Universe uh, <laughs> film that we were talking about last week. But um, absolutely brilliant. I, just th- without a doubt, um, if I only get one, it'll have to be the Danny DeVito. As, as beautiful as the Catwoman one looks, it will have to be the Danny DeVito statue. Do you think DeVito's likeness was as hard to get as Jack Nicholson's if they're in trouble? Probably not these days, no. <laughs> not, with, not with Twins 3 on the horizon. Mm, we're all looking forward to that. But in, in yes, the same... Eddie Murphy's in that one, by the way, just to... Just Who to is, sorry? Sure. Eddie Murphy? It's going to be, uh, the, sorry to break into your geek news, but the rumour is that Twins 3 is Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Eddie Murphy as their long lost third twin. Um, don't it, they, Yeah, I know. It, it, it sells itself, doesn't it? I am I'm barely hearing what you're saying for the sound of a barrel being scraped. That sounds absolutely <laughs> fucking awful. Yakety yak, don't talk back. <laughs> hey, I'm Eddie Murphy. I used to be cool. Hmm. <laughs> Would he be playing it as an animated donkey, or would it just be him? I'm sorry, but Eddie recently, um, obviously Eddie Murphy is a shadow of his former self in terms of comedy. I will, however, say this as a uh, as a joke. I um, I went to listen to some of his music on YouTube um, based on the song "Party All the Time," which was yes. uh, on GTA. Mm. His song uh, "Red Light" featuring Snoop Lion, not Snoop Dogg. He's not Snoop Dogg. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and... it is. To be fair, I hate to say it, but it is, it is a great song. And uh, it is a great... <laughs> if I was any good at editing, I'd probably insert a five-second clip about now. Okay, well, no, that, that's completely sideswiped me. I didn't imagine for one second we'd be discussing uh, Twins well, 3. Shall we go back to the movie line of the action figures? Because they weren't just Batman action figures. No, not at all. There was a, an amazing uh, Christopher Reeve uh, Superman. Uh, there was a, a brilliant Terrence Stamp Zod, which just looked absolutely perfect. And if anyone has not seen the stuff that Mattel are doing, they are getting up to the point where they are almost as good as McFarlane toys in terms of the likenesses they're doing now for this sort of uh, celebrity stuff that they're, they're bringing. Sorry to break in again, Dave, but did you hear that McFarlane toys have been um, licensed? They've uh, announced that they're making a statue or a line of statues and, uh, based on the undertaker. Mm. And um, very, very just, limited and very expensive. Yes, very, very expensive, but very pretty. Uh, LED lights as well, and like, yeah. But uh, McFarlane Toys 
have been one of my favourite line of anything. Um, I used to collect the movie Maniac, uh, Maniac figures. Um, I wasn't a massive Spawn fan, but I did have some of the Spawn action figures, and they are like if if you're not an action figure collector, McFarland Toys um, make the most like just brilliantly uh, real uh, realistic looking action figures. Like oh, they they are something special, and and the lot they do lines based on uh, famous films. Um, they did a they like they do Simpsons. They did um, as I said, they did a line of movies, and I had a, a Jaws one, which was fantastic. So yeah, Simpsons, McFarland uh, Toys are great, but obviously they're being the Hasbro are starting to catch up by the look of it. Do Mattel, you it it's Mattel these, even my apologies yeah, Mattel. Hasbro Hasbro back in the day with your old uh, uh, jump, jumping ultimate warrior toys. Yes. Um but yeah honestly just absolutely brilliant. I know these are prototypes and they never ever look quite as good once they actually come out. Uh, they're always slightly off because obviously they have to do a massive amount of uh, sort of mass production but one of the things that also made me laugh was uh, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago and one of the things that keeps you laughing and I know you shouldn't laugh at your own jokes but listening back to the podcast was when we were talking about Moss Man um, there is uh, a, a mini funny. I'm sorry I know we should. that made me laugh as well there's a, a mini Masters of the Universe set and they've done these really cute little like, um, if you're a fan of WWE then they've done like these brawlers things which are like little sort of two inch figures that are really cartoony and massive upper bodies and sort of they've been really cute but I've never been tempted to buy them but they've done them now for the masters of the universe and i am tempted to buy them because there's a skeletor merman he-man and moss man and all four are the cutest <laughs> things i will I'll, I'll put a picture on the facebook uh, at some point but honestly they're one of those things that you see and you just think Do you know what yeah i quite like that just sat on the side but the moss man is flocked <laughs> they've actually continued the tradition and rolled him in moss so you can get that furry feel on your tiny little figure now that is nostalgia times a hundred look at that a moss man figure with the original does it smell pine does the does it does i'm it not sp- <laughs> i'm not sure it smells pine fresh but uh yeah i, I think it, it just looked very cute but the other one and, and finally obviously to mention uh talking about the uh, new york comic-con figures that that mattel uh, <clears throat> excuse me um released the information of is that they have they've recently done about a year and a half ago two years ago uh some really intricate uh, figures which were just on the Matty Collector's site of the original Ghostbusters film. So I, they... I have gone through that. Mattel's website's fantastic. Gonna, obviously, this is a geek website, so I'm happy to to, to be a geek on this show. I, I trawled Mattel's website, and some of the the Ghostbusters collectibles they make are unbelievable. They did um they did a set of the goggles with the um. Oh man, what's it called? The not the tricorder, you know what I mean. The PKE meter. The PKE meter and yeah, the toys. Ask me another. <laughs> and the and the toys actually link up, and um, yes. like you have an image of a ghost floating in front of the the goggles if you if you connected them together and stuff. And they yeah. they're very limited, and you get the trap, and oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, I, if I if I had the money, I, I would I would have got the whole set. I mean, they are. Absolutely. There was a a comment. uh, Obviously, we'll get onto this later on when we talk about Saturday morning cartoons again. uh, Obviously, after last week's. Oh, we've uh, got a lot to do. Apologies to all the milksters for um, for the uh, breaking communications last week. We had technical difficulties, but we're back and in full effect. But there was one of the guys uh, on, on Facebook who. Um, apologies for not remembering who it was who, who put it up there who said that for them ghostbusters was their star wars that was um that was um 
the the British pro wrestler known as Judas. Um, oh, absolutely. Why didn't I remember that? Yeah, well, Judas, my friend, I completely and utterly 100% agree with you. For me, Ghostbusters was bigger than Star Wars. It still is for me. Batman's slightly taken over it now. But for me, growing up, I was the biggest Ghostbusters fan ever. And it is hard for me not to be able to afford to get these figures and these collectibles because... When I was young, I would have killed for a proton pack. I would have killed for the PKE meter. Especially, especially like they are now. Like, oh, that, that you know, that I remember having the trap from the real Ghostbusters toy line. Mm. And it was just like a pump. A, a pump. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was the inside of a Reebok pump. But, you know, like, essentially, you, yes. Essentially. But, um, yeah, oh, if yeah, I would have loved to have had like these. But again, it's the do you take it out of the box or do you like you know do you have it on display? Do you know what for me? And this it, is going to sound bad as someone who yesterday purchased a Macho Man Randy Savage in WrestleMania eight gear as a toy. Um, I can't keep things in the box. I bought a few months ago. I bought the Adam West. Um, Burt Ward, oh, uh, beautiful though. Batman sixty six, and do you know what? I've taken it out of the box because I'd rather have them on the side and I can enjoy them as cute little toys and everything. I'm you, not, you I'm not saving cute. them for anything. The thing is, I've seen that. I've seen you. Obviously, you sent me a photo of it. It's a beautiful thing. Um, it's basically a diorama of the scene in the sixties Batman where they walk up the wall on the rope and you know a neighbor sticks his head out. If you remember, there's always a famous person like Sammy Davis Jr. or someone like that. Yeah. But Dave, Dave's got this thing, and it's so beautiful. But with the uh, with the dioramas, I would say it's okay because they're made to be displayed. If you know what I mean. Completely, the thing's got a screw hole in the top of it, so you can actually attach it to the wall and have them climbing up. But obviously, am I right in thinking you've got a Simpsons diorama? I have got a 2000 uh, comic book guy, uh, comic book shop diorama. Yeah, which uh, still to this day, and I've never changed the batteries, is still going. Um, <laughs> Value for money. Yeah, when you place them on, I think it was, was it Playmates or someone? I, yes, I can't remember. Yes, it was Playmates was the company. Uh, I remember getting it. I got it at a comic book convention in Birmingham uh, in 2001, possibly. And it, it cost a little bit, but it was worth it because then I had to collect, obviously, the figures. I got some in New York. When I went to New York, I was lucky enough to go out there a couple of times. And, um, yeah, it's just still to this day that having that comic book guy and that comic book guy, it's probably a precursor to why I've ended up doing this. <laughs> so while, we, while we're talking dioramas and Simpsons, and I should have tacked this on to the McFarlane toys, I actually... Hmm. What McFarlane Toys did was they released the figures individually. Yeah. Um, and once you got the whole set, it would make a diorama because I actually, it's one of the only times I've collected the entire like line of action figures. And what it was, it was each family member hmm. uh, sitting in a cinema, uh, sitting in a, chair, uh, a cinema seat. And then they all had like little hooks to the, to, to the right. And once you hooked it up all together, they, um, they all had speech boxes no. and um, they all kind of linked together. And then they would like, have dialogue between themselves, depending on what position, like you could move the seat so that they were sitting in a different order and they'd mm. have different conversations. It was pretty cool. And um, but it kind of led you to take it out of the box. So you couldn't really collect it and not take them out of the box. If you know what I mean? No, completely. But that's uh, well. I'd be saying that there is so many good things coming, and the the good thing is that obviously you've got like Mattel doing this level of collectible because those those pictures when you see them on the Facebook site, guys, honestly, they are not the kind of thing you give to a kid to play with. They are 
entirely aimed at the collectible market. Um, but yeah, get them out of the box. Enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> Pull them out and play with them. <laughs> Which is obviously the Milking It podcast motto. <laughs> And now it's time for another trip to the Sticky Floor Fun Emporium. You wanna milk it and you know. You gotta milk it and you know. Hello, if you can hear me, then I'm probably dead. My name's Jay Hodgkin and I'm trapped in an arcade called the Sticky Floor Fun Emporium. A dungeon of mystery. is a sequel to a title called Crime Fighters, which was released by Konami in 1991, towards the end of the arcade brawler's peak of popularity. The full space dominating cabinets of Double Dragon, Final Fight and Konami's own Ninja Turtles were being replaced with a new wave of one-on-one fighting titles like Street Fighter 2, Mortal Kombat and Fatal Fury. Vendetta featured a character roster of tough guys, some of which looked suspiciously familiar. The former wrestler Hawk is essentially Hulk Hogan's twin whose better genetics have given the leg drop to male pattern baldness that struck Mr. Nanny from a very young age. Sledge, an ex-military convict, must have followed Mr. Teen to the barbers one day, although probably not the gym from the look of him. The other two characters' cultural origins are a little harder to ascertain. Boomer appears to be a blonde-haired generic default character from any game ever, who may as well just be called Jeff Mundane and be an ex-data inputter. The wonderfully flawless resource engine Wikipedia reliably informs me that Boomer is actually based on Sean Cole Van Damme, which must be a contender for the worst likeness ever. But is until we meet Blood, who's apparently supposed to be Mike Tyson, when he's in fact just a skinny black guy in sunglasses. If I was to take a guess who he's based on, my suspicions would point to Ray Charles, but trained in fighting by Marvel's Daredevil. What game that would make? Actually, fuck games. What a biopic. Ray 2, Blind Justice. Joss Whedon, put Jamie Foxx into Avengers 2, and let's get Ray Charles kicking some ass! Anyway, in what must have been a five o'clock on a Friday afternoon type of plot writing, a teenage girl is kidnapped from the gang's headquarters by a gangly punk with a buzzsaw. Why a teenage girl is hanging out with Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, a data inputter, and a ninja Ray Charles in the first place is never made clear. But let's just assume she's the biscuit in the middle of four public school boys' early sex experimentations. So the players must make their way through seven levels of swindom to rescue the blah blah from the blah blah gang, putting their collective blah blahs in a blah 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 blah. Where Vendetta stands is pretty unique as that once you knock your opponent to the floor, you can continue kicking them in as they lay prone. I'm sorry, but that's just not on. You use a teenage girl as a cum jar and you kick in your adversaries as they lay helpless on the ground. Where is the option to side with Punk and his dead end gang? They're probably planning on some sort of intervention and taking that poor girl home to her parents. You've probably really missed her since she started taking heroin and sacking off B-list celebrities. Another reason to disagree with the ethics of Mr T's gang is that they're gay bashers. Yes, here comes the Japanese version of Vendetta wearing its controversy hat and wearing the fragrant scent of homophobia by Calvin Klein. Four stages in and bloodthirsty teen ninja Ray Charles encounter a few extras from the Blue Oyster scenes of the Police Academy film who have somehow sauntered into a digital world of violent hatred. Hmm... These leather-clad gentlemen mince towards your avatar with <coughs> gay abandon, whereupon you beat the snot out of them. Should one of these gentlemen get a chance to attack you, their vast moveset comes into play. Well, I say vast, I mean two moves. 
one of which is dry humping you as you stand, the other is dry humping you as you lay on the ground. They appear to follow John Lennon's famous mantra of make sexual advances, not war. And while it's possible to get dry humped to death, as any female acquaintance who has ever been to a nightclub with me can testify, caving the guy's skull in with a brick is a little bit too much. The homosexual gentlemen are clearly undergoing some sort of emotional trauma as well, as should he not be accessible, they will go off to hunt the nearest lamppost instead. In the last stage, Hulk Hogan's irresistible musk also causes the previously aggressive Rottweiler dogs to try and reproduce with him, jabbing their canine lipstick into the curvature of his muscular knee. So add bestial brutality to the charge sheet too, as Hogan responds by stomping the doggy skull into oh so much dust. Should you wish to side with these four horrible men, you'll actually find it to be one of the best side-scrolling beat-em-ups in arcade history perhaps eclipsed only by Konami's Turtles in Time or Capcom's superlative later effort, Aliens vs Predator. If you're feeling particularly misanthropic, it's certainly worth a go, and it's certainly worth its sturdy four cigarette burns out of five. What a good game, eh? What a good game. So the next thing, obviously, with geek news this week was uh, announced yesterday. There were two things announced yesterday from Ubisoft. The first one was that Assassin's Creed, the, the new exciting pirate-based Assassin's Creed, which was going to be much better than Assassin's is Creed this, 3. Is this Black Flag? Yes, yeah, has been moved from its Friday release. They're now going to do a Tuesday release. Um, originally, it was coming out on November the 1st, which would have uh, made it compete with uh, Battlefield. It would have made it com- compete with uh, WWE 2K14, which obviously wasn't a massive that. thing, but yeah. uh, and also from Football Manager on PC. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, they've moved that now, and it's going to be out on the 29th on the Tuesday, the same day it's out in the states. So they're doing a worldwide release of Assassin's Creed. That was a big deal. And like, oh yeah, cool. That that sounds good. But then sneaking it under the radar, they also went, oh, you know, Watch Dogs that game that everyone's excited about on the uh, next-gen consoles that's going to supposed to be the next-gen GTA. Yeah, you're not going to get that until April next year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know whether you saw any about this, Boo. Dave, I saw the video. um, I think it was the PS4 release evening, and they showed... uh, Maybe I I might be mixing my game shows up here, but they showed um, like an extended sequence... Mm where um the guy was walking around and you could you know still you could check people out and take money from the uh, atm using your phone yeah. and then there was a police chase and the guy used his phone to make bollards pop up from the road and yes, smash yeah. into the chasing police cars i thought it looked really cool um and i'm kind of disappointed that it's been held back because it was one of the because it, it's coming out on ps3 as well hmm. uh, and xbox 360 so i'm obviously going to be grabbing it on our current generation consoles and i was really looking forward to it because i was thinking it is the last games of the generation always look really nice and it gives you a kind of rough idea of what you know what to expect from the early days of the next gen consoles and watchdogs for me looked looked really cool like um ubisoft have obviously got the assassin's creed series so they're used to open world and this is like the first time um they've got like a big city to do it in like modern day city as opposed to like ancient uh, jerusalem or um you know um renaissance italy yeah completely um, i I just thought that it it seemed a very strange thing um the fact that watchdogs was supposed to be bundled with ps4s on the day of release as well so that was one of the options for people who had pre-ordered for day one was they could get a watchdogs bundle and it seems very very weird to get to this close to launch 
So it, we're about a month away from a worldwide launch, and they're saying, "Oh no, we're pulling it, and we're going to put it forwards." Are you um, calling shenanigans, Dave? The only reason I would say shenanigans uh, is because you would not get this close to a launch without the game being signed off and ready to go. Yeah, agreed. Right, you, you, completely, right? So they're at the point where they're looking at it and thinking, do you know what? We're not going to sell as much as we could do now. They announced they wanted to shift 6.5 million units. Completely. They've also said, in a roundabout way, that Splinter Cell and Rayman underperformed for them as a company. So it makes sense to move that to April, which is a new financial year for them. However, the reason being is I forgot that the new Rayman was even out and Splinter Cell, um, although it's been getting great reviews, it's not been getting fantastic sales, has it? No, not at all. So, so they're not really advertising these games. I think that's one of the problems. Precisely. So what do they do as a company? Do they have two big releases, as in they have Assassin's Creed and they have Watch Dogs? Do you release them at the same time or do you split it and have something that, let's be fair, everyone who's going and getting a new console in terms of the Xbox or the, um, the PS4, there's not that much coming up in the new year that's been announced in terms of, right, you're definitely going to be able to get that. So does that make Watch Dogs uh, a more viable game option if you plug it forwards to the point where people are like, do you know what, I just need something different to play? Or they're actually just wanting to round it off and perfect it. That, that's a I, possibility. I, I call bullshit on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I call bullshit. Because, I, I, like I say, you don't get to this point close to a game being released and and not have that game ready to go. The thing is, Ubisoft is a games company I really respect because yeah. they, I mean, some of the games, I mean, all right, they still haven't be made Beyond Good and Evil Part 2, which they really should do since they, they kind of teased it, what are we talking now, six, seven years ago? Mm. Like, it was a long time ago, um, and it's a, and that's, that's an awesome game if you haven't played the original Beyond Good and Evil um but they've become a really solid company for decent games and um like it's a shame that if they are they if they have kind of done this and it's also bad for the people that have specifically got their ps4 because they want to get watchdogs as their first game completely it it does suck for them but to be fair obviously there are some of the great games out at launch but that was one of the ones and i must admit even for myself when i saw it running i thought do you know what that's a game i'd like to play i was a little concerned that it it appeared a little too linear and there wasn't enough sort of uh, sandbox play on it but we'll see did you also hear that they've uh they've uh held back the club the crew the crew that's the one Sorry, the club is another racing game, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, again, so, I, did you hear anything about that? There's again, I, I I still get that feeling of they are playing to when they release rather than is the game ready? Can we do it now? I think that they are playing it to see when can we make the most money in terms of right. Well, there's nothing else out at that time rather than putting it up against other things. So they're holding their cards to their chest to make yeah, next I think, it more I think financially the, viable. Completely. I think the, the, the movement of Assassin's Creed to the Tuesday rather than the Friday signals that idea of, right, okay, these things have underperformed. We need to move our releases away from anything that could be strong and take away from us. And going forwards, we need to have a better idea of, right, okay, our releases need to be solo rather than alongside some really strong titles. 
I mean, don't forget GTA Five was held back quite a while. Uh, Red Dead Redemption was held back a while. Uh, Bioshock was held back a while. I mean, that does seem to be like how it is these days. A lot of these games get close to their you know to their release date, and then they get held back. And you know, once the game comes out and people enjoy them, they kind of forget that. Another thing that uh, I chatted tonight and uh, sort of looking on online and uh, the the amazing, as we talked about uh, in terms of uh, sort of Saturday morning TV uh, cartoons was Captain Planet. And I'm sure that's one that we'll we'll get on to chatting about. He's a hero. He is a hero. He's going to bring pollution, I've heard, down to zero. Um, With but... the help of Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> who was the fly? Um, Captain Planet heading to the big screen. Empire Online reporting this week that they've actually found someone to take this forward. It's, they've been talking about it for well, they originally talked about it uh, back in the day when it, when it was first on in the nineties, and Tom Cruise was supposed to be doing the voice of Captain Planet and this that and the other. But they've now come round to the idea that they are actually going to do a Captain Planet and the Planeteers movie. Well, there was a interesting news a couple of years ago in the development of the captain planet movie they were actually going to do a dark version where the planeteers had failed and the planet had basically been destroyed um and captain planet was basically going to come back as like this dark entity he's still going to be captain planet but um there were loads of things going around the internet i think so like five years ago but yeah this dark planet rising i think it was called and there were scripts (laughs) online no no but it was genuine and there were scripts online and it was licensed and it was and it sounded really cool Hmm. but um the problem with making a captain planet movie now Hmm. i think is it, it was kind of popular it was all right but it, it, it didn't hold the same – I mean, we're probably trailing over into a, a later subject here, but it didn't have the same appeal for me as things like Ghostbusters and Thundercats and He-Man and all the other stuff we're going to mention in the in the, in the the next uh, few, you know, segment. But it was it was a United Colors of Benetton cast. Yeah. And, it... and who the fuck wanted to be Heart? Nobody. You've got Earth, Wind, Fire, the other thing. <laughs> well it was the the south american brazilian guy wasn't it uh heart. my my tie i think got heart was it my tie i can't i think, so. I think that's yeah. a drink dave what yes i will cheers <laughs> <laughs> no I, it was it was um uh, Kwame. All I remember the, is Wheeler. Kwame was the African. Kwame, Kwame was the African. Wheeler was the American. Wheeler was North America. He had fire because he was ginger. Um, Linka, the Russian lesbian, got wind. Dave, you can't say that because <laughs> it's Russian. She might actually be both. Um, Jai G uh, was the Asian girl who had water. Gi? I don't, I'm not sure. Gi, probably, if, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Mai Tai, or Mai Tai, gets heart, which was the worst, and also forced, like his slave brothers before him, to wear feathers and uh, incur beads around his neck. Well, that is just racialist. Absolutely. And, and without a doubt, the worst lineup. And I'm surprised if Stan Lee didn't have a hand in this because the the villains and, and don't forget Whoopi Goldberg playing Gaia, the spirit of the earth. Absolutely, which I have no problem. Series, though. Great in God of War, but rubbish in this. Um, Doctor Blight, venomous scum. 
Duke Nukem, not the cool one. The yeah, one. Not, not, not the Duke Nukem. No. Not Hail to the King, baby Duke Nukem. There was an evil character called Luton Plunder. And <laughs> the worst one in a kid's movie, oh, sorry, kid's Saturday morning TV series, Rapen Pillage. Rapen Pillage? <laughs> I swear, 100%. His name... Who's his leader? Skullfucker. <laughs> Rape and Pillage was genuinely a character. Do my bidding, Rape and Pillage. <laughs> Just that, Pillage, sorry, there are children is, watching. Are you, are you talking to me or is that what you want me to do? I'm, I'm, I'm confused, I'm sorry. <laughs> my parents didn't help. They had nine months, they came up with Rape and... <laughs> I wouldn't... What was his dad called? Uh, kick over houses and... Pillage! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next bit of uh, geek news that I'm going to mention tonight, uh, if I can actually find it, is that um, the Xbox One, which obviously we know is coming out in a few weeks' time, has uh, had a bit more information revealed about its reputation system. Um, and it's also announced that it's not going to allow you to use your real name online. Which obviously is a concern uh, that's been levelled at uh, several other internet things uh, where people have complained of trolling and this, that and the other, where people can hide behind their usernames or their gamer tags and this, that and the other. But they're saying that their reputation system that they're going to introduce will get rid of griefers, trolls, and you will literally be based on two things. Uh, your reputation... Uh, which will be made just as visible as your game score, is what they're saying, um, is going to be based on uh, the amount of time you play online, the amount of people you encounter online, and the interaction you have with them, um, your reputation, and what you say online as well. So people can report you for swearing or um, being abusive generally online. So what I was going to literally ask ask boo because myself i don't have a great experience with online i've played a few bits and pieces i'm not a call of duty guy i'm not really a, that that kind of online player so I've, I've played a few bits of wwe and got beaten by sort of 11 year olds um and then thought Do you know what it's not really for me so that to me sounds good because they're saying the xbox one can match you with other people like you so that that would be perfect for me but i don't know so boo, your experience of online gaming <coughs> The thing is, I've not had too. Uh, you hear a lot of horror stories about online gaming, um, especially mm. wearing a headset, and um, I've not actually had that that bad of experience. Um, going years back, I used to play a lot of Counter Strike on the PC, which is a Half Life mod. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I played a lot of first person shooters, and then when I really got into console gaming, obviously my first major experience of console gaming on online was um, probably Call of Duty Four on the xbox 360 again i found people quite helpful actually and like people did stick to the teamwork the only time oh god i'm probably horrible to play with online i play a lot of left for dead um and that is a game where cooperation is vital and a lot of the time because i used to play it so much uh, i occasionally got a bit cocky and would run ahead and that's not how you play the game and um but generally i've had good experiences online with the reputation system though i think it's really good because as you know as console gaming is getting a lot more popular and a lot of the kids who grew up on call of duty are getting older there's, there's going to be maybe a lot of swearing online and maybe you don't want your kids to be hearing that i mean if you don't want your kids to be hearing swearing in a 
first-person shooter, you shouldn't buy them a, a 18-rated game first of all. Yeah. But um, but it, yeah, I think the, I think with the reputation system that could that could work in people's favours, pro- probably parents as well. Yeah, I hope so. I, I, it, it sounds really good, and everything I've read about it tonight in terms of uh, what they're going to be doing sounds like it's going to be the best kind of online experience for people, especially like you say for families. Uh, people are just getting into to, to playing online, and people like myself who, you know, I don't want to deal with that sort of bullshit. But no, I mean, yeah. I mean, the horror stories you hear is it's when you're new to the game and there's experienced people there. Yeah, um, a lot of the time. I mean, in the old days, you'd get called a noob a lot, but like, I never took. I, I, you know, you take that kind of thing with a pinch of salt. No one ever got like mm. massively abusive, but I've heard stories of people getting really nasty online, and um, especially on the Call of Duty and games mm. like that. So yeah, I definitely think that you know. The, the, the system they've got set up on the 360 is it like underground hardcore you know you, there's like four kind of sec- segments you can go into but I've never really heard anyone say it made a difference to their online experience with the 360 so I'm glad that they're pushing up something different for the Xbox One yeah absolutely I think that that idea of um, you know obviously your gamer score is really important and you know that is as we've said before we've had this conversation but it is digital dick waving it's, it is that thing of like yeah, yeah I've, I've, you remember I don't know whether you used to do this but I used you know we used to check on each other's gamer scores to see who was ahead Ooh. a lot absolutely the, the, and there was there's yeah. a select handful of people um, like friends who it doesn't really matter, but it is digital dick waving, as Dave said. And if you've got like that hundred points more, or you've got those two achievements that they haven't got, yeah. it doesn't even matter if their score's higher. If you're if you've got those achievements that they haven't got yet, you're like, yep, I'm still the man. Yeah, completely. And I, I think that the good thing with this is that um, the reputation, the idea is that if people are in your friends list, then obviously they won't touch you. But um, if it's people outside of your friends list then it it does kind of match up in terms of looking at how much they've been rated. So if people are going, do you know what? No, this guy's a dick. Then you're less likely to be able to get online and play against a bunch of people. So that, that for me, that works. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Big bucket of win. They've also announced this week uh, in Geek News that uh, this season pass for uh, the new Batman game, which is out on the 25th. I believe uh, Arkham Origins, which I'm very excited about. Uh, obviously, I can wax lyrical about Batman until the cows come home, but uh, for me, next week is a big week. So it's a brand new game, looks amazing, sounds absolutely brilliant. Everything I've heard, I saw some stuff from Comic Con with the guy who's doing the, the voice of the Joker, doing without a doubt one of the best Mark Hamill impressions I've ever heard in my life, other than myself. Um, <laughs> But did, what did he read? The Killing Joke. Um, yes, he he read the yeah the um, the uh, soliloquy. I'll I'll call it to give it a Shakespearean term uh, from the Killing Joke, uh, which was absolutely brilliant. Sounded great, uh, but should never be read by anyone other than Mark Hamill. <laughs> You're sticking to that, are you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, but Mark Hamill is the Joker for me. Totally. I love his. <laughs> you see that? Um, <laughs> So the season pass has been announced and they're going to charge fifteen ninety nine. Dave, what is in the season pass? Because I know that there's going to be plenty of costumes like mm-hmm. Arkham City. There's lots of cool rig. There's going to be loads of cool skins. The, the skins in Arkham City were awesome, especially the Batman Beyond one that, or, or the Batman of the Future, as it was called. Yes. One yes. looked really sweet. But, um, so what have they announced, Mr. Games? Okay, Mr. Games is going to tell you. Um, so for fifteen ninety nine. 
you get uh, five DLC packs. It's, it's going to cost probably around £40 if you don't buy the DLC packs as a season pass. That's what they say. So for nineteen, sorry, nineteen dollars ninety nine or fifteen pounds ninety nine. Well, English pounds. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just mixing it up for. Our I know we try for the international milksters. We've well, got one or two milksters overseas. Um, so basically, you get the uh, Gotham by Gaslight, which we've mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, you get the Batman skin for that. You get the Brightest Day Batman, which is uh, also to do with uh, Green Lantern story, which was absolutely brilliant. But it's it's basically Batman in white, and he shines a lot. Um, so you get those two, which are exclusive. You get uh, a new Millennium Skins pack, which is the first appearance. So it's the 1939 Big Ears, Purple Gloves Batman. Uh, you get Red Sun, the Noel, uh, New 52. There's the Blackest Night, which again is a Green Lantern story. Um, but you also get the Tim Drake Robin as well, which is uh, exclusive to a certain game shop, What Sells Games. Uh, but you also you get it as part of this this pack. Um, you get the Infinite Earth skins pack, which is let me guess right, uh, Earth Two Bruce Wayne. You get the Long Halloween, which is without a doubt one of the greatest stories ever with Batman. Um, you get the, That's Earth... the story that made Calendar Man interesting. Yes, complete. Oh man, alive! Long sorry Halloween. To break, sorry to break again. Did you do the Calendar Man mission mm-hmm. in Arkham City? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I, I sat there for an hour resetting my clock on the Xbox. Me too. Yeah, yep, me too. Completely, because it was so worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. And it was really, again, Arkham City was fantastic. Just uh, Origins looks great. And one of my favourite villains of all time, uh, I don't know whether I've mentioned this on the Milking Podcast, I probably have, but I'm a huge fan of the New Teen Titans. I grew up on New Teen Titans from mm. DC. And um, one of their big, big, big baddies was Deathstroke the Terminator, uh, Slade Wilson, and... Um, He's in this, and as far as I know, he is a playable character. Yes, but yeah, if you um, if you pre-order the the game, he is playable in the challenge maps in the same way that Robin was last time, um, Joker was the first time on PS3. Yeah, oh, it looks amazing. Um, so yeah, sorry. Uh, so Earth Two, uh, new Batman. You get Thrill Killer, uh, the Knight of the Round Table Batman, and you get the classic Tim Drake Robin again mentioned. From 1989 to 2006, as they say. Uh, you also get the Arkham Origins Initiation, which is uh, you get to play as Batman before he was Batman. So you're Bruce Wayne uh, facing off against Karigi. Yes, Karigi. Can you imagine a game where you get to play against Karigi? So it's him proving himself in the Middle East, uh, Middle East, the Far East, um, against Karigi um, a little bit I imagine hopefully like it was with the Razagul tests in Arkham City oh I didn't really like the floaty one where you had to fly over well that's because you <clears throat> you broke into the game Dave I'm entitled to my Batman opinions but then again <laughs> I, I thought the, the Mad Hatter stuff broke into the game because that for me was a bit of a oh, well, I, I don't want to melt my face into a weird little rabbit thing and I didn't enjoy that at all. I mean, maybe, maybe I am, you know, maybe I am being too quick because the Arkham Asylum, where the scarecrow bits. But that, I, I enjoyed the scarecrow bits in Arkham Asylum. I was, I was gutted that it wasn't scarecrow in the second one. Mm. But yeah, there we go. Uh, but there's also a, a, an all new story campaign, quote unquote, that they're not actually revealing, obviously, until the the, the game comes out. But uh, 
there was a point today where I got really excited about it and thought, oh, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to get that. I'm definitely 100% going to get that. I can't believe they're going to do all these skins. They're going to do this, that, and the other. They're going to add this. And they thought, at what point did we get to the the moment where we are looking at day one DLC and thinking, I'm going to pay extra for something which back in the day would have been... Those skins... They would have been unlockables. They would have been things that you went through the game, and as you hit certain points, you unlock that skin. Can you imagine how small the file is for that for for just a few of those skins? Oh, completely. And, and you know, I'm not saying it's like a Capcom thing where it's already on the, the disc, which is a, a whole different. That is just oh, cheeky. Yeah, but where did we, what, at what point did that happen? Where we suddenly decided that it's okay to charge. For it was more things that day, should be on the disc. Dave, I can name the day. Um, it was uh, it was that dark day when they released horse armor for uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion on the Xbox 360. I think it was four pounds just for like something you could stick over the head of a horse. That was when the pointless DLC kind of um, culture I think started for for, for me. It's like I, I'm I'm a huge Batman fan. Yes, of course I want all those skins. I want to be able to play in the game as that. I want to go online and do the multiplayer as Tim Drake, or you know, I want to have those extra Joker packs and everything else. But I, I understand it. It's a business, and I understand that it's microtransactions, which the whole world is based on now. But at what point do we decide that we don't have to have rewards in games? So. Yeah, you stop unlocking things as you go through, or you get achievement points, obviously, which is maybe that's replaced it. Maybe that's become the thing that you get now. And I mean, you, know, you do get minor rewards like New Game Plus, and um, you know, just silly things like that. A lot of people don't even bother looking. Like you know, you unlock pictures for a gallery, or like you know, photos of the development team, or something. Like you, you're right. The the rewards are very thin now compared to how they were in the old days and yeah you're right that the, the dlc has kind of replaced that i mean there's, I some, say... there's some dlc that gives you um you know like cheats i remember when the cheats were already on the game you know, completely like... i did, i think the <clears throat> one that i'd say uh booked the trend was the last mortal Kombat that they did where by playing through the game you could unlock extra costumes you could unlock extra moves you could unlock extra cheats and everything else and wasn't there a fair bit of dlc for that as well there was but that was extra characters that wasn't necessarily again like... i remember in the old Mortal combats when you had to do like you know you had to complete it as everyone to unlock the characters or you had to do hold a button down at the toasty guy and <laughs> yeah no absolutely but that's what i'm saying is that i just think that it's a shame that it's moved from that that way of thinking of, right, well, we're going to put everything in the game that you have to unlock to, right, well, we're going to do 70% of it, but you can also pay for the extra 30%. Mm. The Hills have eyes, or at least they do this week, as we join Jay for some Mario-based background bollocks. This week, the inanimate objects in the Super Mario games. What? Has Jay been toking on lighter fluid under the graffiti-smattered underpass again? Has he been scooping mercury out of thermometers in his hands and swinging it around and down like a decadent Viking overlord? What bloody rot! 
inanimate objects? How can they have backstories? Well, hold your horses, Mr. Smart Alec. It's my party and I'll lie if I want to. Sit down, shut up and take my hot loving in your ears, bitch. I mean, have you noticed that everything in the Super Mario games has eyes? What a strange thing. Imagine clambering up a hill in the Peak District while walking your Yorkshire Terrier or whatever yappy little half-dog, half-rat you have these days, and all of a sudden the ground shifts under your feet and you're thrown to the ground. Looking up at the disturbed soil, and the true horror seeps in as you realise that the displaced sod is in fact a ginormous eyelid, and you're looking up at a pair of eyes. Gigantic eyes. Soft, dewy eyes like those of a puppy. And they look so sorrowful. This abomination has no mouth, but it says everything it needs to with those tearful peepers. End this. Please, for the love of God, end this. But you can't, because how would you go about murdering a hill? Horrendous, right? Well, they're in the Mario games. That's nice and fluffy and good for your children, isn't it? Along with blocks, stars, mushrooms, and a myriad other things with eyes. How did they get there? Simply put, they aren't there. They don't exist. When you play a Mario game, you're reviewing it through the eyes of the eponymous plumber. And he's completely hat-stand-up-the-bum mental. Think about how traumatic his life has been. Saving women from giant apes, discovering an entire universe in a block pipe that's populated by dinosaurs, angry tortoises, and sentient mushrooms. As a simple tradesman, he's not mentally set up to deal with this bullshit. His experience in crisis management consists of a flooded kitchen in a maisonette. There's his incredible guilt that chews away at his very soul. Why? Well, in order to complete his quest to reunite the mushroom folk with their unelected other species monarch, he has to decapitate the corpses of their dead and eat their skulls in order to give himself superpowers. What a terrible toll that must take on dear old Mario Mario and his brother. Still not convinced Mario isn't as mad as a bucket of methodic frogs? Think about this. Do you think it's a good idea to invite the biggest terrorist threat in the entire Mushroom Kingdom to continually play tennis, golf and go go-karting with you? I rest my case. There you are. The inanimate objects with eyes are nothing more than the fevered mind dribblings of a fucked up plumber. Next week, Milksters, you're going to get a Halloween treat when we discover the secret history of Slimer from the Ghostbusters. I was also reading uh, as part of the uh, New York Comic Con uh, about Robot Chicken because Robot Chicken have announced that they're doing the second DC special. I haven't watched the first one, but they, boom, are, indeed, they are indeed doing a second DC special. Uh, probably like the last season, they're going to stick it in front of um, as the first episode of the new series. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one was hilarious. As always, Robot Chicken is a fantastic TV show. Uh, we talked about it in episode one or two back in those old Halcyon days. Oh, I remember them. Remember that. <laughs> but um, but yes. Um, well, we were. You know, it's perfectly apt that we're talking about the the action figures earlier because, of course, mm. this is the action figure stop frame animation TV series for those that are, are, are new to the whole milking it phenomenon. Um, but yes, there is a second DC special coming out. Um, there's going to be a ton of celebrity voices and um i don't have any of my notes in front of me for that one however the last one was was good it's going to be uh, hopefully as good as the last one 
Um, as ever, we, we like to respond to uh, listeners' questions. And I had uh, a, a person email me the other week uh, who actually asked a very interesting question, uh, as in where do we get all of our geek news from? So I'm quite a traditional guy. Uh, I I always rely on the IGNs and the Ain't It Cool News. Ain't It Cool News, Dave. All right, all right. Yeah, it's 1999 again. Um, <laughs> but I know that my uh, my recording compadre, uh, Boulamont, uh has a lot more understanding of what happens on the interweb in terms of uh, geekiness. So, Boo, can you recommend two or three sites where our listeners can go if they want to hear everything that's going on in the world of geek? Well, Dave, generally, um, like, like yourself, I use IGN, which is a quality hub for, for news of all kinds. But um, some of the specialist sites that I check out, um, there's one called toplessrobot.com, um, which is always bang on with their news. Um, my particular favourite, uh, geeksofdoom.com, um, it's got like a, a flowchart of news all the time. You can actually add them on Facebook and you kind of get the news straight to your page. And I've found that to be very helpful in putting together pieces for the Milk and It podcast. Um, one of my all-time favourite websites, it is geek as well, but it's uh, it's basically an online magazine called cracked.com. If you're a fan of geekdom or comedy at all, you've probably already heard of it. They compile lists. They do like, um, you know, top 10 Easter eggs of video games that you didn't know existed. They do films. They do um, Photoshop competitions, um, which, are, which are always really funny, uh, and that's cracked.com. Just um, that, those are kind of my geek sites. But the, the one other site I wanted to just give props to, uh, I get the best T-shirts in the world made by a company called Ripped Apparel, mm. uh, and you can find those at rippedapparel.com. They do uh, what, they do one design for 24 hours, and then it's gone forever. Um, they do geek mashup T-shirts. I myself have got a Simon Pegg and Nick Frost T-shirt. Um, it's them as zombies uh, in police uniform, which is like a mashup of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Um, they do all kinds of mashups. They're, they had like the My Little Pony Xenomorph one, which was really popular. Um, so just a couple of sites for you to check out Geeks of Doom, uh, Ripped Apparel, Topless Robot and Cracked.com uh, Some awesome geeky websites for your internets uh, Last week I mentioned about uh, a Telltale game Remember them? Telltale games Not, uh, not Traveller's Tales Not Traveller's Tales, no Telltale games uh, I was really looking forward to I said I would definitely give you a review this week And absolutely I shall It was Wolf Among Us, the brand new episodic gameplay uh, uh, thing that <laughs> the Telltale games are doing um, it is I'm so excited about it honestly it, it was absolutely everything I could have wished for and more I genuinely thought they wouldn't be able to capture the feel of the comic book but they did I didn't think they'd beat what they did with Walking Dead they absolutely did if you get a chance at the moment in comparison to Walking Dead in comparison to Walking Dead, it is a lighter game, obviously, in terms of what the uh, sort of thematics and everything else. But it's still as intense. It's just wonderfully done. There are the quick time events. There are the decision makings that will influence things that go further on in the game. There's some wonderful characters that you wouldn't ever get outside of that style of game because it is fables and I cannot recommend it enough. Um, my score would probably be sort of 8 out of 10 because obviously it can't match the comic book because nothing can because the comic book gives you that moment where you can imagine it in your own mind. But absolutely, without a doubt, Wolf Among Us, 
a game you have to play. It's free at the moment. There's a download which is free for Xbox and PlayStation. Get on board. Give it a go. Honestly, you will not be disappointed. It's cinematic. It's stylistic. There's great voice acting. It's a great story. And it absolutely captured that feel of the comic books for me. I am reaching for my PlayStation controller as we speak, Dave. I didn't know it was free. Um, how are the control? I mean, is there anything new um, that they've added into the control system of the lot of the Walking Dead? Because um, I thought they had the controls pretty bang on. Completely, and 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 they've stuck with what they know. They've, as they, as Jim Ross would say, they've danced with what Brungham to the dance yes yeah absolutely they've they've stuck with what they know and it works really well absolutely a hundred percent my recommendation to the point where i played the first one and immediately bought the season pass for the rest of the rest of the episodes because this is going to be a story i want to be part of in last week's episode of the milking it podcast i uh, discussed um shortly uh, and briefly even um the game release beyond two souls on the ps3 a game that i personally was involved with earlier this year uh, now it's been out for a week and uh, obviously after the polarizing reviews and the kind of mixed mixed feelings about the game i've actually had the opportunity to talk some talk, talk to some people who have actually played it mm. and get their opinion and um i'm i'm pleased to say that nearly everyone i've talked to who's played the game has thoroughly enjoyed it um i know you've been playing it I know my good friend, the Amazon Aisha Ray, has been thoroughly enjoying it. And um, like I'm just very, really pleased because I, after the, seeing the reviews, I was really worried that people weren't going to like it. Um, and it was such an important – I enjoyed being a part of that process so much. I thought, you know, I, no one wants to be involved with a flop, do they, when they've been, you know, going crazy for it for, for however long, you know, the, the last six, seven months I've been waiting for people to, to find out about it. So, David, tell me about your experiences on Beyond Two Souls. Do you know what? I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And it wasn't just because of the stuff that you've said and everything else. I, I approached it um, as much as I could as a very neutral gamer. I, I don't play many games on the PS3. I'm a 360 guy. So it was very unusual for me to have to clear stuff off the hard drive of my ancient old 40 gig uh, PS3 to, to make room to install this game so it was it was good it was nice to play a game that was very different i absolutely loved heavy rain this is not heavy rain no it's very it is a very different game i enjoyed it a lot more than mm. heavy rain it was well, more my genre okay so for me my genre would have been heavy rain because i'm a big film noir fan and i you know i enjoyed that kind of that feel but mm. I got into it, and I, I must admit, I've not had a lot of chance to play it this week. I've probably only played it probably five or six hours, and it's immersive, and it's emotive, um it's made me care for characters and care for decisions more than a lot of games have, in, in the sense that there was um, a particular scene, excuse me, uh, once you get into the game, which is set in a party, um, and it... it <laughs> The main protagonist, she's going to a party and she's not been really introduced to interacting with people her own age, has she? No, she's she's led a sh- You know, this isn't this isn't a spoiler free zone. We can talk about this. You yeah. know, in, in the game, um, the girl's been raised basically um, a government facility because of this strange entity that is attached to her, which <sighs> they refer to as Iden. So she's been oh, raised. In, with you know with with doctors and um you know with government people so she's finally had an opportunity as a young teenager to interact with kids her own age mm. and um it doesn't end well does it dave well 
it, it depends what you mean by it doesn't end well, because for me, it ended as well as it could. Because my decisions that I made when I was playing, and it, it struck a really horrible chord with me because of experiences I had when I was younger and everything else. And it, just, it was so real, that experience of being amongst sort of 11, 12-year-olds and them not accepting you and not wanting to make you part of that party and just putting you down. And oh, if you're, <laughs> if you're not doing this, then you can't be part of our group and everything else. So my decision, which apparently was, was quite unusual, was to just walk away from it. Basically, and... the, the kids the kids are bullying you to the yeah. point where they, they kind of can either push you over the edge or mm-hmm. you can walk away. Um, they've made the decision to walk away. Well, I mean, why? Um, for me, that because that's how I would have dealt with it when I was that age and in that situation, which is exactly what I did when I was that age and in that situation. And do you know what? That that stuck with me and that, that struck what I'm not afraid to say I rolled a tear because that was exactly how I felt when I was that age. Well, the, the alternative to the decision that Dave made um, to walk away was for the entity Iden to cause havoc in the house and scare mm. the shit out of those kids, you know. And, and I got a, a message from 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 the Amazon, and she she had told me that she was texting me while she was playing, and she went, you know, these she was like these kids these these kids are horrible, and I said, so what are you going to do about it? And she just texted me, revenge, <laughs> and I was like, me too. That's what I did. But um, I mean, that just goes to show the depth of the game. You can play it. Um, like a video game where, you know, you can cause havoc and destruction and you don't have to think about it. But with mm. this game, every decision alters what happens next. So um, it's it's a it, it's a fascinating kind of social experiment in a way. <laughs> you know, there, there's there's me and me and the Amazon and we obviously chose to to get revenge on the kids for being such horrible little shits. Whereas you, as you said, walked away and that's how you deal with the situation. Mm. I think that means that if we had the power to get revenge, if some, in a situation like that at that age, we would have used it. But um, no, I mean, that just goes to show the emotional depth that, that the game actually has. Yeah, completely. And, you know, I, I, I know from where I'm working at the moment, it, it hasn't sold well and it hasn't done as well as they thought it would and everything else. But I genuinely think it's going to be one of those games where people look back in sort of two or three years time and say, Do you know what, that was one of those games that. I wish I'd played or that was a game that changed the way I thought about it. And I, I, th- I think it will influence people in the way that they look at game making. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, the, the, the word that you used earlier is that you started caring about characters in video games. It takes a lot for me to even care about a character. I mean, the, most of the time I never care about the protagonist. They're just like mm. a generic character that you use to run through and kill and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, even after a few hours on this game, <clears throat> excuse me i i felt real like i said on the show last week when i played the demo and i saw the character cole for the first time yeah um, i was actually like hey it's my man cole like i was you know and i realized that i really really cared about these characters and as the game progresses i'm not going to ruin it it might be a you know a non-spoiler free zone but i'm not going to ruin it but you know things happen in the game and to cap to people that you grow characters you've grown to care about mm. and it does it does literally affect you um like no other game i've played but i still think about those characters this is day even though i've you know played it to completion uh, you know I, even after the ending i was left wondering you know what, what happened to jody and, mm. and and you know and the characters that i'd been 
so emotionally like you know involved with during that you know during my session on the game but i'm really glad you enjoyed it i'm glad that other people are enjoying it and um if you haven't got it if it is selling badly that's a shame but milksters highly recommend you grab a copy of beyond two souls or at least try the demo give it a chance you will like it so that was the Milking It podcast. Uh, as I said, apologies. Um, the uh, the tail end of our discussion, which was probably another 20, 25 minutes of us talking about Saturday morning cartoons uh, and then going on to cartoons in general, we will 100% record uh, very, very soon. Uh, and we will actually get it up here and finish that conversation because it was entertaining. But if I put it on here, it would have been insulting because the, the, the audio quality was really, really bad. Uh, and for some reason, uh, my computer is kicking it off as being a corrupt file and everything else. So that was the Milking Podcast, a whole hour of teat-tugging of culture. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, as always, to Dino Peppers for his fabulous pictures. Thank you, Jay Hodgkin, for your wonderful drop-ins. And uh, both of them today, I, I think you'll agree, some of the finest work he's ever done. Um, and thank you, as always, to John Sands for the marvellous music. And I, I believe there might be a little treat coming for those who tug the teat uh, when we get towards Halloween and our Halloween spooky spectacular <laughs> which I'm sure will be a two hour show full of spooky goodness uh, but in the meantime thank you for listening thanks for downloading please rate us please uh, review us uh, it, it all helps thanks for liking us on Facebook thanks for following us on Twitter I'm David Davies and for Boulamont tug that teat you wanna milk it in fun right you said said fucking on the phone to your manager dave did i yeah